Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, you're listening to 5-Minute Folklore with me, Bob Shoy. This week we'll be looking at two important figures from Welsh folklore whose stories were too intertwined to split into separate episodes, Ceridwen and Taliesin. These characters exist sort of just on the fringe of the Arthurian legend, so this will be our first look at medieval British mythology. Anyway, here's today's 5-Minute Folklore about Ceridwen, her cauldron and a boy named Gwion. Long ago, in Wales, near Lake Bala, there lived a woman with great magical power. Her name was Ceridwen. She lived with her husband, Tegid, and they had two children together, twins, one boy and one girl. The girl, Crowy, was beautiful. The boy, Morfran, was not. In fact, Morfran was shockingly ugly. And not only that, he was incredibly dim-witted. Ceridwen loved her son all the same, but worried about him. She wanted for him to have a good life, so decided to use her magic to help him. She concocted a potion in her magical cauldron that, when finished, should grant him great wisdom. If he was not to be a handsome man, then she wanted him to be a brilliant, inspiring one. She had hopes for him becoming a talented and respected bard. Once the ingredients were together, and the cauldron was bubbling, she called upon a local peasant boy named Gwion. Little Gwion, it is now your job to take care of this cauldron. It will take one year and a day for the brew to be complete. You must stir it and feed the fire every day until then. Gwion nodded. Good boy, Caridwen said, and placed her hand on his shoulder. The nature of the magic potion that Caridwen had created was that only the first three drops of it would be effective. Guion tended to the cauldron for a year and a day, as he was instructed. On the last day, he stirred the mixture as usual, but as he did so, he accidentally splashed three drops of the liquid onto his hand. The boiling heat of it made him instinctively raise his hand to his mouth, and as soon as the drops hit his tongue, he was overcome with wondrous knowledge. He knew that Ceridwen would be enraged, and so fled as fast as he could. Ceridwen spotted him running, 
and gave chase. Guion, come back here. The potion was more powerful than even Caridwen had realized, and as Guion ran, he imagined himself as a hare and transformed into one. That potion was for my son, Caridwen shouted, and, being a master of transformation herself, she turned herself into a greyhound to outrun him. She was gaining on him as they reached a lake. Guion jumped into the air and landed in the water, having transformed himself into a salmon on the way down. Caridwen became an otter and dived in after him. Guion swam upwards back towards the surface, and just as Caridwen was reaching out to grab him, he leapt out and flew away as a crow. As he flew, he turned his head to see Caridwen still in pursuit as a hawk. She ascended onto him and dug her talons into his back. He had been caught. He looked down to see they were above a mill and had an idea. Caridwen saw a single grain of wheat fall from her talons down towards the earth. This was Gwion. She dived after it as quick as she could, but it was too late. He landed amongst the thousands and thousands of identical grains. Caridwen landed onto them in the form of a hen and closed her eyes. Using her magic, she knew exactly which grain was Gwion and ate him up. A short while later, Caridwen found herself pregnant. She spoke to her husband, Tegid. It's him, I know it. Gwion grows within my womb. When he is born, I know it must be done. She was prepared to kill the baby. Months later, the baby was born, but Caridwen could not bring herself to do it. He is a beautiful baby boy. She sighed. She laid the baby in a leather-skin bag and sewed it shut. She walked to the coast and cast him into the sea. Now, that isn't quite the end of the story. We'll come back to it in a while to learn about Taliesin. For now, I want to talk a little bit more about Caridwen. Caridwen is a witch or enchantress with the ability to shapeshift. She is usually depicted as a beautiful woman or sometimes as an old hag, as well as various animals, most commonly a sow. She is sometimes referred to as the white sow. Sows are thought to represent abundance and fertility. There are a few ideas on the meaning of her name. The ending of it, when, is a common suffix for female Welsh saints and is shortened from Gwen, meaning white, blessed or fair, there is dispute over whether the first part of the name is derived from Kerid, which is Welsh for a chiding love, or Curd, meaning poetry or song. 
Another translation comes from a variant in the spelling of her name from some old texts, where instead of the C-E-R-I-D-W-E-N spelling, it is C-Y-R-R-I-D-V-E-N, in which the first part, Kirid, would translate to crooked, and Ven to woman, making her the crooked woman. Keridwen lived on the shores of Lake Bala, otherwise known as Lynn Tegid, named for her husband, Tegid Fole, who is often described as a giant, although there are some tellings that suggest they lived in the centre of the lake underwater. Their two children, Krewi and Morfran, are often portrayed to represent light and dark, Krewi being beautiful with fair skin, and Morfran ugly and intelligent with darker complexion. Morfran will otherwise be named Afagdu in some versions of the story. Afagdu literally means utter darkness. Or there are sometimes three children, Krewi, Morfran and Afagdu, with Afagdu being the one that the potion is brewed for. Also, some stories include the character of Morda, an old man who tends the flame, whilst Gwion, whose full name is Gwion Bach, stirs the pot. In various tellings, the chase that occurs can include Keridwen and Gwion transforming into any number of animals and plants and will often feature the extra step of a pike chasing a perch. Keridwen is still worshipped to this day by modern pagans as the goddess of rebirth, transformation and inspiration. The triple goddess is one of the primary deities of modern paganism. It consists of three female figures, the maiden, the mother and the crone. Each symbolises a stage of the female life cycle and a phase of the moon, with one each ruling the earth, the underworld and the heavens. Keridwen is often given the crone status in the triple goddess, which is the darker aspect This makes her the goddess of the underworld and associates her with the full moon, though some will tie her more to the mother aspect. Keridwen is also popular in Irish culture, often depicted as the mother crone. She's also honoured by those who welcome feminism in spirituality. As I said before, there is more to the story. After Keridwen cast her baby into the sea, it did not die. So I'll continue the story now of Taliesin the Bard. 
Prince Elfin was wandering along the shore and saw something in the water. He fished it out. It was a stitched up leather bag. He opened it up and to his surprise, inside was a healthy baby boy. He took him in and named him Taliesin. Prince Elfin raised Taliesin as his son. And as soon as Taliesin could speak, he was poetic. He would recite poetry and create his own. Taliesin's talents flourished, and Prince Elfin was continually impressed by him. When he reached the age of 13, Prince Elfin took him to see his uncle, the King Melgwyn Gwynedd. My King, I would like to introduce you to my son, Taliesin. I believe he is due to be one of the greatest bards who ever lived. Well then, let me speak with the boy, said the king, and Taliesin stepped forward. A pleasure to meet you. I understand you are a very talented young wordsmith. Let's hear something. Taliesin spoke up. I foresee your death. You are soon to be struck down at the hands of a yellow beast. What is the meaning of this? Elfin! Do not visit me again with this boy. I want him removed. Soon after, King Melgwyn was dead, a victim of the Yellow Plague of Ross. Taliesin grew up to be a legendary bard and entered the court of King Arthur. He inspired many warriors, counseled many kings, and foretold many events. One of his final prophecies related to the fate of Britain. Their lord they shall praise. Their language they shall keep, their land they shall lose, except wild whales. Another version of that story sees Elfin captured by the evil King Melgrin. Taliesin sets out to rescue him and challenges the king's best bards to a contest of wits and words. Taliesin easily wins and frees Elfin. His powers are so strong that he even mutes the other bards. The name Taliesin translates to Behold, Radiant Forehead, which is what Elfin is said to have declared when he lifted him out of the leather bag. Bards and poets in Celtic tradition are almost seen as having a magical ability, and his poems were inspirational to the Celts in defending their land from the Saxons. Taliesin had a son named Aphaeon who became a warrior and met his fate in battle. Taliesin also eventually becomes associated with the Arthurian wizard Merlin, though some think that Taliesin is perhaps a precursor to the character of Merlin, as there are a few similarities between the stories. Lines between myth and history blur slightly with the character of Taliesin. A real poet did exist named Taliesin, who is believed to have lived from 534 AD to 599 AD. Many of his works are still available to read today, some of the confusion comes from a few of his poems referring to him being reborn as a poet, though some think that he was either just writing in metaphor, or perhaps he was writing about the legend of the cauldron. A famous manuscript from the early 14th century named The Book of Taliesin includes many of his poems, some are thought to date back to the 10th century or even earlier. This book contains some of the oldest Welsh poems. Here is a section of one of them. I have been in multitude of shapes, before I assumed a consistent form. 
I have been a sword, narrow, variegated. I will believe when it is apparent. I have been a tear in the air. I have been the dullest of stars. I have been a word among letters. I have been a book in the origin. I have been the light of lanterns, a year and a half. I have been a continuing bridge over three score river mouths. I have been a course. I have been an eagle. I have been a coracle in the seas. I have been complaint in the banquet. I have been a drop in the shower. I have been a sword in the grasp of the hand. I have been a shield in battle. I have been a string in a harp, disguised for nine years in water and foam. I have been sponge in the fire. I have been wood in the covert. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Elfin is famous for his bad luck. He is the son of Gwydno Goranhir and was given an estate in Cantria Gwerlod, but the area flooded and he lost it. So his father gifted him a weir to catch fish and provide income. This weir, said to be between Aberystwyth and the River Diffie, is where he found Taliesin. Upon finding Taliesin, he exclaimed, Lima dal Iesin, meaning, what a beautiful brow, and therefore naming him. In some stories, Taliesin speaks to Elfin, even as a baby, and recites a poem declaring that he has been sent as a guide, and will grow to be a great poet and prophet. After adopting Taliesin, Elfin became more prosperous and was no longer known for being unlucky. Keridwen's cauldron is known as the Cauldron of Knowledge. It is named Arwen, and also appears in some other old stories. It is sometimes called the Cauldron of Transformation due to its ability to make transforming magic. It also has the powers to grant poetic inspiration, divine knowledge and wisdom. 
In Welsh folklore, cauldrons often represent the womb of the goddess, and so rebirth and regeneration. There is a Welsh belief that true inspiration comes from death and rebirth, and that Taliesin was so talented as he was reborn three times. Originally born as Gwion, he was reborn by the magic of the cauldron when he gains the knowledge. This is the cauldron as womb metaphor again. He was then born again from the womb of Ceridwen, and then finally reborn a third time when he is taken from the sea by Elfin and renamed. The importance of these three rebirths comes from the number three being a sacred number in Celtic mythology. Don't forget there is also three drops of the magic liquid that grant knowledge to the receiver. Another interesting note is that Gwion passes through the elements before being reborn as Taliesin. First the earth being the hare, water being the salmon, the air being the crow, before finally the grain for growth and life. Another famous figure in Welsh folklore who also has ties to Caridwen and her magical cauldron is Bran the Blessed. Based on these tales, there are many who consider Caridwen's cauldron of knowledge to be the famed Holy Grail that Arthur spent much of his life seeking out. But these are stories for another time. of Ceridwen and Taliesin are among the oldest in Britain. The story of Ceridwen and Gwion is included in the Mabinogion, which is a collection of stories of Welsh legend, and is actually the oldest example of prose stories in British literature. It was compiled in the 12th to 13th century, written by various authors, and also includes mentions of King Arthur. Ceridwen and Taliesin are also mentioned in what is thought to be the oldest surviving manuscript written solely in Welsh, the Black Book of Carmarthen. It was written in the early 13th century and also mentions King Arthur and Merlin and includes many poems. The Victorian poet Thomas Love Peacock wrote a poetic variation of the Ceridwen and Taliesin tale titled The Cauldron of Ceridwen. In it, she gathers round the cauldron with her son and Gwion when a puff of smoke rises from it. Everything goes dark and in the place of Gwion and her son is a new baby boy. Ceridwen and her cauldron are often still mentioned in Celtic music. Gwion's story as a boy is very similar to the Irish legend of the Salmon of Knowledge, featuring the character of Fionn McCool. Gwion and Fionn even have the same root in their name, meaning white or shining. So the story of the Salmon of Knowledge goes like this. There was once a regular salmon that gained all of the world's knowledge by eating nine hazelnuts from the Well of Wisdom. A poet named Finnegas heard of this salmon and spent years trying to catch it. After seven years of attempts, he finally fished it out. He handed the salmon over to his servant, Fionn. He was told to cook the salmon, but to not eat a single bite. So Fionn set to cooking it, turning it over and over the flame. 
While cooking, a drop of burning hot fat splashed from the salmon onto Fionn's thumb. He instinctively brought his burnt thumb to his mouth. When the drop of fat entered his mouth, he gained the salmon's wisdom. He confessed to Finnegas what had happened, and Finnegas could see the newfound wisdom in his eyes, and so gave him the rest of the salmon to eat. May as well eat the rest. Fionn ate the salmon and gained all of the knowledge in the world. From then on, Fionn need only to bite his own thumb to gain any piece of knowledge he required. The main reason I chose Welsh mythology for my New Year's episode is so I could talk a little about the Mary Lloyd. I was originally going to do an episode all about it with a story, but couldn't find an origin of it that seemed to be a definitive one. It's a very strange traditional Welsh custom that takes place around the time of New Year and dates all the way back to at least 1800. The Mary Lloyd, meaning grey mare, is a horse's skull, usually decorated with ribbons, attached to a pole with a large sheet behind it for someone to hide underneath and hold the pole. The skull is sometimes real or can be crafted from wood or card and the jaw is sometimes on a hinge for the person inside to control the Mary Lloyd's mouth. It makes for a very striking image and I will post some pictures for those of you who follow me on Twitter and Facebook. The tradition is for a group of people accompanied by a Mary Lloyd and usually a smartly dressed leader to walk the streets visiting various households. Once at a house, they will sing outside of it, requesting entrance. The homeowners are to sing in return, making excuses not to let them in. The back and forth continues until the owners are out of excuses and must allow admittance to the group, offering them food and drink, usually ale. Inside, the Mary Lloyd will run around causing havoc, with the leader pretending to be trying to keep her under control. It can be quite frightening to witness, but it's all intended as fun. Anyway, I definitely recommend looking it up for yourself to see some videos of it in action. I have a short clip to play now of some traditional Welsh Mary Lloyd New Year's singing. I hope you enjoyed the episode. You can visit 5minutefolklore.com for links to the various places you can find me online or contact me directly at 5minutefolklore at gmail.com. And if you have a podcast of your own, please get in contact. You can support the show via DonorBox or Patreon, and there are links to those on the website, 5minutefolklore.com. I really, really appreciate those of you who have done that already. Or you can support for free by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. I know I always say that, but they really do make a difference. Thanks to Lauren Britton, Rick Dove and Luke Martin for voices on this episode. The music, massive thanks to the composer Peter Gundry for allowing me to use his piece titled Keridwen under the main story this week and to Cass Murig for the use of her version of the traditional Welsh song Gwell Adailad. I also used William Taylor's recording of the medieval Welsh harp song Gosteg Daffid Athro, and a section of Aaron Zoltan's piece King of the Fairies was used underneath the Salmon of Knowledge story. Seeing as I've been talking a lot about extremely old Welsh texts and stories, I thought I would play us out this week with a rendition of what is considered to be the oldest Welsh lullaby, possibly dating to the 7th century. It is called Pace Dinagad, which translates to Dinagad's smock, and is a nursery rhyme of a mother telling her son of his father's skilled hunting abilities. 
I really love just how old this sounds. It's almost like a magical sound to it. This rendition is sung by Lynn Denman, so extra thanks to her for allowing me to play this on the show. You can also find her singing in the medieval band Reged. That's R-H-E-G-E-D. There'll be another new episode next week, so until then, thanks for listening and Happy New Year.
Wyth, 